0: Hey guys, and you are now if you're already here, that means you have clicked onto the last episode of 2019 for WRYH Podcast. We wanted to take the moment out to thank you guys for the support that you've given the show within the past year, and it continued support that you give it since the birth of the show. <laughs> we truly appreciate you guys, and it's been a wonderful year and we can't wait to see you guys in 2020. Once again, this is the season finale for season four, and season five will begin on January 6th. Thanks again, guys. Let's get to the show and some more ratchet shit. I wanted to start the show with a little reference. <laughs> That's right. It's for the older gays. Hey girl. All right. I said hey girl. Oh, come on. and <laughs> it goes a little song like this. I can't catch no man hanging out in the disco tear. Yeah, I believe in the bull again. Oh, uh, uh, bo- bo- don't believe in me, hey. come along with me and I will guarantee I'm gonna give you my love. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Move set for the episode. Welcome to the finale for season four. I am your host Lonnie. And it's me, the co-host, Just Marlin. What up y'all? And this is what we like to call um millennial scolding sessions. Millennial. The millennial night court. (laughs) Um um, The Lesson of Shame Yes, Lesson of Shame Um, The Point of No Return Mm -hmm. I think that one is my favorite thus far (laughs) I love it it. Uh, Welcome to another installment of Who Raised You Hoes Who Raised Y'all Hoes Literally, Who Raised You Hoes So this episode is slightly different from the regular episode Mm -hmm. Um, well, last week was the hotel. Shout out to Navi. Thank you so much for being um, here. That was fun. <laughs> it was. Yes. Hilarious. So, <laughs> um, this today is going to be a little different. Um, this is the last episode of 2019. And also, with the last episode of 2019, that means we're going into a new fucking decade. Bitch. Shit. A new, it has been 10 years. And to think... Coming into this decade, I was 22 years old. Wow. I was a young, I was young, I was Lord Jesus, full of color that time. Mm. Full of it, full of it, coming out your ears. Oh, child. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> so, um, I want to have a reflective moment real quick. Okay. Um, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in the past ten years? Oh shit. Mm. biggest lesson past decade,
1: so back to 27 up until now. Yo, yes. no, um yes. not for nothing, that self-love is ridiculously important mm. and that happiness is a choice. Oof, bitch. those were two really big lessons, and like I've learned them and I'm studying them more, mm-hmm. you know, now, but like, that
0: narrative definitely stands out for me over the last decade. Um, I would say, right now, for me, the biggest lesson that I've learned in the past 10 years, and it's been an epiphany of mine, mm-hmm. um that I've had and I had to learn my old manager said it to me before and I never knew what he meant when he used to say it to me he was like you know you have to give a shit factor mm. and I'm like what is that supposed to mean he's like you care too much mm. so the biggest one I had to say and especially reflecting and going back and listening to some of the actual episodes I have the, um, the following to say um, 2020 is all about vision Okay, 2020 20, 20 vision. On. Um, Come on, 2020 it's, vision. Okay, it's a saying um, that I love and it's not problematic at all. It's what is for me will find its way to me. Do mm. so I need to reiterate that for the children. Just give it to them one more time. Meaning, if someone or something is for you, you don't have to chase after it. It's still going to find its way to you. It's kind of like money. Right. You know, when you want that job, that income, that, you know, that little flex that you like to put on Instagram mm-hmm. for all your friends and family to see that good old flex. And sometimes you have to find your own rhythm and you have to stick to that rhythm. So with that being said, hmm. it's, it's kind of like the law of attraction. I've learned the less you stress about things. The more more that it actually finds its way to you. Mm. So with that being said, anything that is meant for you will find its way to you. And if it is not meant for you, it will detach from you. Mm. This applies across the board for anything. We're talking finance. We are talking personal relationships. We're talking all those lovely things. If it is not for you, it will find its way away from you. This is true. And you can't fight it. Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm tired of stressing about things that I can't change. Listen, things that are beyond your control, you have to let that shit go. That's yeah. right. Listen, with the
1: Nesco Club and self-love and happiness is a choice lesson, yo, learning to let go of things that you have no control over has been really big for me because it literally stresses you out to try to hold on to things that you can't like. You can't even tangibly touch it. If you can't control it, you got to let that shit go. Let the chips fall where they may and only focus on the things that you can control.
0: Exactly. And even in the same sense, it's also acknowledging that yes, you want to always think that you've been the best person or the best version of yourself, but that also means acknowledging when you have not been Mm -hmm. the best person to others. Or to yourself. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge those things. I promise you, one of the biggest release that I've had is learning and understanding that though I strive to be a perfectionist, it's not the reality of the situation. So with that being said, I just learned to let things happen and flow as they may. And it's something I'm definitely getting in the habit of doing and just learning my space with certain situations and my distance with certain people in certain situations and just doing that and just right. being okay with it. Yeah. I mean, this is all been a learning experience. I went through the beginning of my twenties and I'm coming out of this decade in the beginning of my thirties. Right. Child. So, <laughs> a lot of liquor. Come on. Yes. Has been liquor. A lot of liquor has been consumed. Mm-hmm. A lot of wisdom has been consumed. A lot of heartbreak has been gone through. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
0: And enough wine well, to even get into that topic, but anyhow. Mm-hmm. It's just learning and understanding it's gonna happen and you can't control or stop it. So that being said. Gotta keep pushing. What has been your favorite moment of this decade? Ooh.
1: That's a good question. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't think I know. Mm. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. My favorite moment of this decade was becoming an uncle. Oh, Easily, hands down, in 2016, I became an uncle. I'll never forget it. Like, I literally had just... I was getting ready to move to Atlanta. I'll never forget it. It was 2016, Mm -hmm. and... My mother had told me, because my sister was afraid to tell me at the time, mm. she was like, um, you know your sister pregnant, right? I'm like, wait, oh, what? See, drop she, mom. <laughs> my mother was excited. Uh-huh. So I we let it go. It was like, okay, wait, what? I was like, You lying? She's like, I promise you I'm not lying, your sister is pregnant. So I went to the, I remember I went down to the car, I like had I let out the in the car and everything. Mm. Just out of excitement, like I'm really gonna be on. Oh my god! So a few days had gone past, and I'll never forget the shit. And my sister was like, "So, mommy told you, huh?" I was like, I literally pulled up the chair and everything. I was like, I was waiting on you to tell me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was literally the funniest thing ever. Like after everything went south, um, when I went to Georgia and I had to come back home. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget my both of my parents had to have major surgery. My father had to have emergency spinal surgery, because mm-hmm. um, he had a compressed spinal cord. And my mother had to have her first knee replacement. Mm-hmm. And in all of this time frame, in between the two, because my father was first since it was emergency, literally, in between in June, literally the beginning of June, my sister has the baby. Mm and I'm like I remember I was at I was at dinner with a friend and I get a text message from my mom and it's a picture of the baby I'm like because <gasps> I told my sister at that point she was already annoying me because um, she had a bunch of birth issues uh-huh. so he had to come out right but when I saw the picture I'm like <gasps> Cause I told my mother, I was like, "Call me after she had a baby. I can't take no more." Right. <laughs> so my mother calls, and, like my mother sends a picture of this is my nephew, and it took me a few days to go see him because my nephew was a preemie. Okay. So having to see him in like the incubator and everything was a little, a little tough for me, but I got over it. Right. And I wanted to go see him, and Lord, uh, you couldn't even tell he's a preemie now. <laughs> you can't loud and boisterous awesome. all in the same. Love it. Uh, oh, that's dope. You know what? I,
1: if I had to choose a moment, I think turning thirty-five was one of my favorite moments in this past decade. Especially considering the fact that there was a point in time in my life where I could not see thirty. Ooh. Um, and I didn't know what that looked like or what that meant. Mm. The celebration of love on my 35th birthday was really awesome. Um oh, don't Yes, you were
0: there. Uh, I had to think, that okay, <laughs> Jeff was yeah, there. there was a lot of liquor, so you might have missed a couple of things, but you were there. Uh, you know, I had to think for a second. I'm like, wait, no, yeah. I, Jeff so, was there. So, two things, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. That, turning 35, and also
1: being acknowledged under the Obama administration by Vice President Joe Biden as one of the emerging leaders in the LGBT community it was really dope. Um, I was able to go to D.C., yeah. I went to Joe Biden's house with yeah. his wife, yeah. they do like this end-of-summer barbecue for all the emerging leaders across the country, like that was dope. It was mm-hmm. a very, it was a defining moment for me, and that was my time in Detroit Showed me purpose in my life. I found myself there, and it turned my life around
0: in many ways. So yeah, those two points were the, my favorite parts of the decade. Today, also, before we get into the direct typical shenanigans, today is also December 1st. Yes, it is. If you don't know what December 1st is, allow us to iterate what December 1st is. Today is World AIDS Day. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and this is not even trying to be funny. This is just a general message for all of you. If you do not know your status, it is time for you to get to know it. That's it. That's plain and simple. It's time for you to get to us. Ain't no shame. You need to know, especially if you're running around here um, without a glove, giving love. Mm-hmm. It is time for you to understand and know your status. And if you are positive, it is time to take the, per- the steps to better take care of yourself. Listen, I'm telling y'all, as a 16-year survivor you have to know your
1: status. Educate yourselves. Educate others once you get your education. Like, make it known. Because it's the only way that we're going to kill it. It's the only way we're going to get over it, get mm. through it. You have to educate yourself. You have to know. You have to get rid of ignorance and stigma. stigma Especially is the stigma. stigma. Stigma is what keeps this epidemic going. Because people that are like perpetuating this cycle of negativity around being positive and all that stuff is only fueling it. It's only making it worse. So know your status, get tested, support those that are positive that you know in your life. Even support those that you don't know. Like, Sidebar.
0: Whatever. I'm going to pull over real quick. Right. I need to say this because it is something that burns my spirit to no end. Mm-hmm. If you are negative, please refrain from posting your test status. Hmm. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, that is actually confidential information. It is. It's confidential information. So technically, you're going on there, though, of course, you're showing everyone that you're negative. It's also, in a way, shaming those that are actually positive. Mm. Please refrain from doing it. It's immature and it's ignorant. Thank you. Mm. That's all I got. Got it. Mm. Mm, I'm indifferent
1: about that, but because I used to feel a certain way about that. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to feel shamed a little bit, but I had to realize that that was something that I had to work on within myself. Okay. You know, Fair. and accept the fact that this is my journey and I've been on it or what have you. Mm-hmm. Again, stigma working its way into the whole process. But what I will say in support of the point that you made, if you are, if you are posting your status being negative, make sure that you posting your status is an affirmation to end the fight against HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be boisterous and, and don't be one of these fucking shit rags that's out here like, oh, I'm negative, can you say the same? Sis. Because mm-hmm. what people don't know and don't understand, and I'm, I'm going to jump right off of, of the soapbox and so we'll be here all day. mmm more yeah. often than not, those that are boisterous about being negative and have that kind of energy around them mm-hmm. usually come home to roost not far after. <laughs> and I'm going to leave that there.
0: And I'm going to pull over at this All point. All right, it's time for the regular, regular, daggler, schmegler. Yeah. Um, it's time for you to get up and flood white and flush. It's white and for flush. S- it's time for squirrel out. And- uh, what we got now? We're gonna be quick. We've actually missed two weeks' worth of it. Um, some things I just don't feel like getting back into. Y'all drain my energy with it. Um, real quick, um, sidebar. Um, dear Azalea Banks, please get into this
1: because I don't know what
0: she did. Two things as to why your name is being mentioned this week. One. I don't get, for someone that gets easily offended with the with how people, especially women of color, are portrayed in the media, why do you feel the need to consistently bash women mm. who are in the industry making strides? Every time you have a critique, it does not fail. The reason why you heard her name recently is because she went on to critique Tinashe's, um songs for you. First, she calls her basically a NBA cheerleader. Like, that's the type of music that she makes is what she is, the comment that she made. And then she also accused her of also stealing an outtake from her photo shoot that was that basically was in ways similar to Tanache's album cover. Okay. Um, I want to know first, who you you were relevant? Let's, let's start there. Who told you that you were relevant for someone to steal from you? Um, no one cares. No one has cared for a while now. Um, I would tell you step back into the studio or find your way to one since you like to pass out critiques. You should be in there making rhymes to beats, but... You choose not to. You choose to be a better black woman because every time women of color come out into the limelight and do something, you have something negative to say. But then want to know why you are not successful. But yet today you also did make an announcement that you're quitting music. So what are you planning on doing? Becoming the next Joe Budden? I, I want to know. Is that in the lane that you plan on going to? Because that lane is already taken. And obviously, no one wants to hear you talk because you got read for filth by everyone for you even criticizing her art.
1: It literally pains me every time I hear Azealia Banks come up in the Twitterverse the internet anywhere mm. mm-hmm. because all of her bullshit aside i really love azalea banks music it's it's actually good it's actually really fucking good she's actually really talented it's actually but good. this is a prime example and a prime case of mental health going unchecked <laughs> I really sincerely like my as irritated as I am with her Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by all of her antics, it is a blatant, searing cry for help. And I wish she would just go get it. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that it will help her. Like it's all of this vicious like jealousy and always looking to tear someone. Like you contradict yourself. And then like you are very intelligent. Like, those some things that she says are a lot of shit that she says. It's very controversial. But there are little nuggets of wisdom here and there through, throughout the years that she's been able to drop. But you, nobody can hear you over your bullshit because it's so loud. It's...
0: The voice and, you, and you just... You, you seem so, like... I never saw someone loud and loud, proud, and ignorant at the same fucking time. Like,
1: all the time! Like, she... It is the epitome of the phrase "who hurt you." I just want to know who hurt her, and I want her to get help. You
0: see I my tweet? Sin- like, man.
1: I sincerely want her to get the assistance. Please, like, start your healing now, sis. Like, if you're quitting music, great, because it's really you. You can't get anywhere at this point.
0: You can't. No you one can, can hear you because you you keep whatever. Oh. <sighs> So I I said I said fl- trigger. I said trigger. I'm so flustered about her because
1: like bro expensive taste is about from beginning to end. Period. Nobody will ever know. Like when it dropped, I was like, nobody's gonna hear this. Why? Because sis is gonna come out here. She's gonna say something out of her mouth. I mean... And it's gonna, like, derail. She derails herself every time. Always derailing, Like We can't get anywhere. And as soon as somebody else is doing more than you or doing something different from you, you are, like, clawing at it for attention. That's literally what it is. Like, why won't anybody pay attention to me? Why won't anybody... But you have a fan base that is very specific to you. Like... Her constituency is like you have like uh, whatever. Get your shit together. Just get it. Uh, Get it together.
0: Are you trying to censor now? Take a sip of that wine. Please, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Another quick tidbit. Um, Yesterday I saw this on the way actually to the bar. Um, Mm -hmm. Billy D. Williams comes out as transgender fluid. Um, there's so much that could be said about this. Mm. First of all, I know grandmas and aunties of the year are somewhere completely throwing a tantrum that this man came out as gender fluid. Throwing whole full-blown tantrums that he has come out as gender fluid. Now, they're going to throw... These tantrums blindly, you understand this?
1: Mm-hmm. Cause ain't real nothing.
0: They basically he basic the only reason he came out as gender fluid is the same reason that majority of us are in touch with both sides of ourselves. That's it. Men and women both possess a masculine energy and a feminine energy. Can you please say it again? I don't think they heard you on the back. Men and women both possess a masculine and feminine energy. I. D- It is that simple. I don't understand why you hoes don't get the concept that you are
1: literally created by both masculine and feminine energies. You possess both. You possess. You possess both. Like when it went down and the egg actually, the sperm actually made it to the egg. It took masculine and feminine energy to make you, which means it will always be. In the very fabrics of your being. Mm-hmm. We literally don't have gender until the chromosomes split.
0: I allow people to call me bitch. Like you literally have a vagina until it falls and becomes a penis. I, I just. And it's not just, unfortunately. And it's not, yeah. Go ahead. Black men, black men. oof this is gonna be a topic later. Black men are not allowed. Not allowed. No to say these things without some type of backlash or criticism. Oh. It never fails. Oh. And the sad part is he's in his 80s in saying this. His 80s. Sis is in his 80s. He did not come out as non-binary. No. He said gender fluid. That's it. He didn't say that I'm bisexual. No, he didn't say I'm pansexual. No, he didn't say I'm homosexual. No, he just said I'm gender fluid. That, literally. And panties are in a bunch. That was literally. And when I read it, I was
1: like, "Now watch you hoes take this
0: and, and run. run with it."
1: First of all, about ninety percent of y'all didn't actually read the article
0: to see what he had to say. And what I just said is literally what he said in article. Literally what he said literally what he said in an article. He embraces both his masculine and feminine energies.
1: His pronouns are he, him, hers, all that he accepts it all. That's all he
0: said. Period. Period. That's it. That's it. You
2: didn't say nothing else.
0: He didn't say that he was gay or nothing. But you motherfuckers hold on
1: to these you idolize people so much that the minute that they go against the grain and become, I don't know, human, you know your whole, all of your fat the like the, the the somebody pulled the string and your whole world falls down. Oh my god, I no, it just can't be uh uh-uh.
0: uh. Listen He could still take your bitch at eighty years old. Just hello. Now, just letting y'all know. Hello. Even with her even with the woman saying said, Hey girl, you know, he'll respond. And he might say, Well, girl is in here right now what's up right period and at 80 years old we'll still take a bitch y'all gonna learn one day one day day, today ain't the day and it's okay it's not um sidebar before we get into the rest of it please tell me I I need someone to answer this question oh shit am I the only one and I'm willing to admit my old shit right now okay am I the only one watching Tokyo Tony Final Love ASAP? You probably are because I'm not. It know. is so funny. I bet it is. No, thank you. It's so mar- <laughs> First
1: of all, when I saw that it was really a thing, I was like, you have got to be shitting me. This is going to be a shit show. If you're going to eat this shit up, <laughs>
0: it's good. She call me crazy. She's actually good TV.
1: Yes, she is. That's why they keep putting home straight
0: no, 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 no. This show is actually the lady she to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her to see nothing else. I just want her to do this show. Mm-hmm. Like, I promise you, if I gave you my login for Zeus and told you just watch the first episode, you'll be in tears.
1: <laughs> God, I
0: can't take it. Imagine a flavor of love mm. in today's climate with them willing to accept the ratchet done by a female it's too much they have nicknames their chains to know that they're staying and not going home mm. it's blunt done no no, no i don't want to
1: take Mar- away Get away from me
0: no Marlin, i need someone to keep cool it about this friend. show okay, okay. I need someone to key with about this, because it's too funny. Okay,
1: you don't have to give me the
0: long job. you like I'm oh
1: going to lose parts of my life that I can never get back. I'm <laughs> doing too much. Oh <laughs> God, it's going to be crazy. Okay, okay, okay. I'll watch it for you. I'm, just for you. Thank you. Because I was never going to do this shit. I'm like,
0: <laughs> never. <laughs> thank you. All right, that's all I had to say on that. All right. Um, while we were doing the sex tale shout out to Navi hi dear (laughs) um, the Grammys announced their um, nominations and Lizzo apparently is leading the pack with eight nominations worse now mm, did that happen no, it doesn't okay. happen until the end of January. Oh. Okay. Uh, they normally announce the Grammy nominations like right before the holidays. Okay. Um, Beyonce has four. Okay. My I boy... She has four. Funny. But really? she, it, there's a lot of things I have to say about the Grammy nominations. Um, My boy Lucky Day. If you have not gotten up on Painted you need to go get your life it's an amazing debut album mm. it's one of the best male debut albums I've heard in so long and I'm not even trying to be funny so let's get into it I'm gonna read a few of the nominations out loud so you guys can get a gist of our i the the climate of this one mm-hmm. so hold on I'm on the actual Grammy that's saying I'm trying to find out okay 2020 grammy nomination awards complete nominee list so i am going to start with um general field actually no wait hold on, wait girl no (laughs) we ain't gonna go there um let's start (laughs) the general field is just too it's long but it's actually worth it Mm. um let's start with r&b okay um, let's start with the whole R&B list. Um, hold on. All right. So here we go. Number 17, Best R&B Performance. Love Again, Daniel Season and Brandy. Um, Could have been her featuring Bryson Tiller. Exactly How I Feel, Lizzo featuring Gucci Mane. Mm. Rosa Mo, um, mm. Lucky Day. Yes. Come Home, Anderson Park featuring Andre 3000. Mm. Um, We are going into Best Traditional R&B Excuse me It just gave me The whole list It jumped Well ahead of What I was ready for And that is not okay Um, Traditional R&B Performance Time Today DJ The Chicago Kid Mm -hmm. Steady Love India Ring. Okay Jerome Lizzo Yes Real Games Lucky Day Come on Um, Built for Love PJ Warren Featuring Jasmine Sullivan Nice Best R&B song could have been um, "Look at Me Now." I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, apologies. is owed. No guidance. Rosa Mo. Um, and of course, say so. My girl JoJo is in the nominations. I don't know what's going on. Um, let me see. Best um best urban contemporary album. Apollo 21. Steve Lacy. Because um, I Love You. Lizzo. Okay. Overload. Georgia and... Moldrum? Yes. Mm-hmm. At least you didn't how to say it. Saturn, Neo. Uh, <laughs> an album. And um, Being Human in Public. Jesse Reyes, I believe is her mm-hmm. name. Best R&B album. Eleven Twenty BJ um, The Chicago Kid. Okay. Painted Lucky Day. Word. LMA. LMA.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Paul. PJ Morton. Ventura, Anderson Hawk. Um, it goes into rap. Let's see. Um, middle best rap performance, Middle Child, J. Cole, Should, The Baby, um, Down Dirty, Dreamville featuring J.I.D. Daz, J. Cole, Earth Gang, and Young Nutty. Racks in the Middle, Nessie um, Nissy Hustle featuring Rudy Rich and Hit Boy. Clout offset featuring Cardi B. Now. Um, I'm gonna go up and we're gonna go into general, but the nomination list is so long that it's giving my phone an issue with getting to some of the lists. Mm-hmm. Um there's several people missing from these nominations. Okay. One, there's a lot of shutouts that you guys are not paying attention to. Number one, Beyonce was shut out of all the urban categories. Majority of hers are general, so it's like best vocal pop performance for spirit. Um Best vo- pop vocal album was the Lion King soundtrack. Best music film, best um, music film, Homecoming, and there's another nomination that she received, but none of it, and I do mean none of it, was urban. Not one, and mind you, two of the blackest projects that Beyonce's put on her entire career were shut out of the urban, co- um, the urban categories. They refuse to let. They don't want to win. That's what it is. <laughs> Then that's what it is. It's like she was shut out. Now um, all of the female rappers have been shut out. This is your City Girls, your Megastallions, your Sweeties, including Cardi's solo material, right which I think Cardi, Cardi didn't submit. If I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere Cardi didn't submit her actual material that she released throughout the year. It's just clout because he um, also actually submitted it for the nomination. Um, for best rap song. Uh and I think that's one of Beyonce's nominations is the Best Rap Song. If I'm not mistaken. I went through the list. Um there's a lot of people missing from this list. Um where's Ari Lennox? <laughs> like, Hello. Where is Where is Shape by the Baby? Where Where it, is it? It was actually a good album. Yes. So if she goes on a rant, trust me, she has every right to be upset because it was a good album. Yes. Where is Summer Walker? Sorry to inform you girls. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I may prefer clear over over it, but none of the material she released, not even the single playing games was even nominated. None of it. Mm -hmm. It was shut out. Um, Who else? I'm trying to think. There was a few people shut out. I actually was able to name some of them by name. Because I said, where's this person? Where's that person? Where's this person? Fantasia was shut out. Mm. Um, I haven't listened to Notebook yet. Sketchbook. Sketchbook.
2: <laughs> My, bad. My bad, Fanny. Um,
0: it actually was a really good album. Okay. It, it gave me Back To Me vibes. Did It, it was a good album. It was very good um especially i love how she actually gave you the vibe of back when r&b and rock actually had like that mixture blend between the two at one point in time Mm -hmm. especially with enough and she also does it with warning and i lived but the one that will get everyone into their feelings is um the way even and i'm so mad the way is so short Because it's really like considered almost like an interlude, but it was so good. Hmm. Um, It's a bunch of people that were actually shut out of the nominations this year that I can't think of all right now, but yeah, it it was a catastrophe waiting to happen. Um, Oh, Spirit also has a nomination, I forgot. Um, which they also believe because of the Grammys nowadays, believing that is an actual belief that Beyonce might get um a nomination for best original score for the Oscars for Spirit. So <laughs> we shall see, but now let's get into the other trigger alert that I had scheduled for Marlon. Oh shit. That's right, girl. Billboard comprised a list <laughs> of the top. 10 R&B slash hip-hop songs of the decade. Marlon, the eye roll is unappreciated right now. Okay. You're, you're, you're pouting. All right. It, it's... it's okay. no, go ahead. It, it's, it's really... It's really It's going into a negative space. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need you to stop. Focus. We're going to get through this together. Center And don't get upset. We are... Okay. <laughs> if you're going to act like this... <laughs> I'm gonna try. Go ahead. If you're gonna act like this, mm-hmm. I will put this away and we will not finish. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. Mm. Have some. Have some class. Okay. Have some class. Got my Toes up. Got it. All right. Marley, stop! <laughs> oh my god. Go ahead. All right. Trigger alert. Hmm. Number ten. God's plan. Drake. Number nine, Happy, Pharrell Williams. Number eight, Sicko Mode, Travis Scott, featuring hey, Drake. You didn't put him here, I had to add him. Um, One Dance, Drake, I don't know these two other people, I don't care to name them. Um, number six, Rockstar, Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. Um, number five, The Hills, The Weeknd. Um, Number four, Sunflower, Spider-Man Into the um, the Spider-Verse, Post Malone, and Sway Lee. Number three, um, Blurred Lines, featuring T.I. and Pharrell. Number two, That's What I Like, Bruno Mars. And number one, Thrift Shop, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, featuring Waynes. Now, there's a problem with that list. Several. Issues. Complaints. Several. Inconsistencies. Several. If we're going by a decade, let's call it spade a spade. Where's Bodakella? Clearly. Where's Old Town Road? Clearly. Where are the especially due to the fact that Old Town Road broke a record set by Mariah Carey that was almost 20 years old? Hello? Um, Lizzo's Truth Hurts is also missing from this list. Hello. Because of the fact that Adania broke a record by Izzy Exelia. Where is she? Hello. Where? Clearly. Why is Macklemore um, at number one? Why? Be- Why? Why? For Thrift Shop? Thrift shop. A song of the decade? Song of the decade. No, sis. No. I'm not disagreeing with The Weeknd being there because The Hills is actually a diamond-selling single. I can't even remember that song. if you I only love you when it's half past five. The only time that I love that I don't
1: listen to The Weeknd so I, I couldn't tell you.
0: You, you know, we're going to put you up on a game. I'm going to force you to listen one time. I'm going to give you a song that you like. Now cut it out, cut it out. If I have to treat you like a toddler this Loretta's episode, I will. Mm. You know what? <laughs> My wooden <laughs> spoon is over there, and oh, it's clean, no. and it will be used. I can't. So I don't make me. I can't. I will use it. Mm. Now, not to mention, like there's a list of people that have that were not mentioned. Number one, if we're talking of the decade, where's Beyonce? Where's Rihanna? Where are these people? There's questions. They've they several people. songs over the last decade that... And Rihanna stayed with number ones! Rihanna has 14! What are you talking about? Why is she not here? Why? Why? I need answers. And has given us what? At least... She has five. How many albums over th- the decade has she given us? Like, four? Within the past decade, she's actually given, I believe, three. Um... Because of titled Four self titled. Oh, yeah, you right. And lemonade,
1: right? Over the last decade, yeah.
0: Yes, you're right. Yeah. B Day can't, um, we can't count I am Sash Fisk and right. So, listen, four, that's literally in order. Four self titled lemonade. lemonade. None of this has been mentioned. Not You have not Bitch, been. what the
1: fuck is sorry? What the fuck is love on top?
0: What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> You're talking about songs in a decade! What? You're trying to make me go into stand mode. And I like? Like? And it, it. I mean, I, okay, so. Okay, okay. I promise I'll suffer when. Okay. You won't like me in stand mode. Okay. You better level it, level it. Here's my thing. Okay. okay. Here's my thing. All right. Because I love Beyonce
1: for different reasons. I don't consider myself a Beyonce stand. Clear. But what you won't do is try to deny this woman's artistry. <laughs> This woman's hustle, work ethic, you you just,
0: there are certain things that you just can't deny. And uh, where's the Ayala, let's get not on my watch. You just can't. And it's like, we're thinking songs in
1: decades, so I'm like, and I literally, I'm like, I'm going back to 27 up until now. Bitch, there are several Beyonce songs from back then up until now that have been songs that have been staples, literally staples in music since... Up until now, they're still playing them now, baby. What if I is down? What? What the fuck is Who Run the World? But like, and that's a, one
0: album. I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> I just, I, just, and I, I ugh,
0: okay, Mind you, my, I, this is not coming I'm from right.
1: me. And it's because my thing is like, if that because that calls the question for me. What do you consider a song of the decade then? Because when I, when I hear song of the decade, I'm thinking, bitch, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. this song came out, right? And they've been pumping this song ever since then.
0: I, I need to do my homework.
1: Bro. Like, oh my can somebody tell me what the criteria is?
0: Because I, I would love to know the criteria. Here's my thing. If
1: Macklemore is at number one, let me talk to you about when I first heard Thrift Shop. Granted, Q, catchy, whatever. But after it was released, I haven't listened to that song since then.
0: It was a song of yesteryear.
1: Like, if you were to give me a song from Macklemore that I would still bump to this day, give me Can't Hold Us. You know...
0: But Thrift Shop? Not to mention, y'all are so lucky that I Am Sasha Pierce came out in fucking 2008. Because <laughs> I promise you I would have sat there and been like, bitch, where is Single Lady? Where the fuck is it? The first actual challenge video. The first one. Bitch, you are lucky this shit came out well before the beginning of the decade. I'm like, the challenge video originally was that song. There's been entirely too much music since then. Too much? And it's like, really? You're Some, not going to include it? You're not going to include her? Like, songs like, that have literally, like, stood the test of
1: time over the last decade, whatever they were released over the last 10 years, There are still songs that we're still listening to to this day,
0: and we're going to keep listening to them after today. Like, um, I need to jump into my Navy mode for a moment. Bitch, how the fuck you want to exclude Rihanna from this list? How do you do it? She Because again, oh my god, how many fucking albums did Rihanna Rihanna, up until 2012, gave you an album every fucking year. And we're talking about Loud. Loud. We're talking about Talk That Talk. Where's We Found Love? (laughs) Where? Mind
1: you, that wasn't my favorite, but it literally qualifies as a song of the decade. Y'all played that forever and went across all levels of melanin from the non-existent to the darkest of the dark. Everybody loved that song. You bitches played that with your um you Y'all know, fist pumped to the shit. Your fist pump. You put your old um, Anglo Saxon eight count drops to it and everything. You remixed it, all that shit. You put it with the strobe lights and the smoke and bit. You, you did all that. It played on the big screens while you, you know, mm. had your black lights and all. Come on. Mm.
0: Where is Chris Brown? Where? I hate to say it. Where's Chris Brown? Where, bitch. Where? I don't even
1: I don't even like Chris Brown like that. But again, it's undeniable. The man like dominates charts. What do you mean?
0: Fame came out in 2010. That means Look At Me Now was, to this. List. I was just about to say, literally, where's Look At Me Now? His highest selling single to date. You can still play that right now. And trust you me, I'm going to say I'm getting it. it yeah. Listen. Listen. It just doesn't make when, sense. I where, so. where, where, where is it? Where is, I need to know who did this? Who? Because it's a direct psycho. This is why. I'm fucking in love. See. <laughs> I, I'm
1: sorry. I just keep thinking. I'm like, I'm thinking about songs over the last decade that I have literally like the shit that I couldn't get away from. But, but.
0: I want to know because it's billboard and I think I know what it is no, it's uh, because it's billboard I need to know I know you guys give the, the, the actual consideration for these things off a of chart status and how long songs stay on the chart and all that hot boy shit but I need to know for me I need to know for me Why is so many of our people missing from this list? Clearly. So many of our people. I mean, you included Blurred Lines on the list.
1: Controversial ass song. Song of the Decade, okay, I get it. But for real? Number three. Number, fu-
0: num- number fucking three. Where, where's Diamonds, Barriana? Y'all... If we're, we're, don't we're, play that shit forever. Forever and 25 years, y'all got on my nerves. Not no. for nothing.
1: Like if yeah. we don't keep it a buck, where the fuck is Nikki?
0: Where's Anaconda?
1: We no go back further than that. Like where's
0: filling myself? Like
1: where is it? Where is it? I want to know. You talking about songs of decade? You talking about shit that y'all wore out forever?
0: Where is actually? And no, now that I think about this shit, wait a minute, bitch. Wait a minute. Onita began to get on our nerves at the beginning of this damn decade. <laughs> like, literally. She, hello? She got on our nerves at the beginning of the decade, bitch. The beginning of the fucking decade. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at athletes right the fuck now, bitch. Where's Moment for Life? Where's Superbase? Lord, y'all got on my damn nerves. Like, trainers. come on. Let's, yes,
1: we're going to give it a buck. We're going to give it a buck.
0: Yes, because um, Pink Friday came out in 2010. That's it. So, Superbase definitely made the running for this. Definitely. Yeah, really. It's, de- it's one of the highest selling female singles oh, by a rapper, ever. It's one of them. It's Super bass. Look, come on, come on. Like, we're starships. Y'all love that shit. Yo, oh, y'all love the fuck out of that I, shit. Like, if we gonna keep it a buck, we are gonna keep it a buck.
1: This shit, we couldn't get away. from Song of a decade. Y'all played that shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. Department stores, rave parties, King's Nieras. Bitch, y'all paid it everywhere.
0: Y'all got on my damn nerves. I swear to y'all. thing. y'all get <laughs> my
1: fucking nerves. fight. If we don't,
0: if y'all don't do it, y'all better do it. Like y'all, y'all doing a lot. There's a, a lot. whole lot going on at the end of this fucking decade.
1: You're right. Feeling myself. What the fuck is that? Anaconda. What the fuck is that? Anaconda
0: is literally the highest song that she's had on the Billboard chart. It peaked at number two. Cause y'all, what the shit. fuck? Cause y'all ate that shit up. And it, she secured one of the hardest samples to secure for a fucking song. And that's Baby I Back. Hello. It is one of the hardest songs to secure for a sample. Bitch, where's Take Care by Drake? The song or the actual album? The song. Because where? Uh, Cause I can really get into the conversation because I don't care what anyone says. Take Care is still one of Drake's best albums ever. Mind you, I've never listened to the album, but like,
1: I'm not
0: a Drake fan. You know what? You can kill him later. You know what? We're gonna have an yeah. argument. You can in, It's gonna you? be real. That's and right. I've had enough. Okay. I've had enough of the disrespect, Marlon. Okay. I've had enough of yeah. the disrespect. I still love you. What? No, you don't. Just... Not acting like this, you don't. Now, do you Not acting like this, you don't. Mm-hmm. Not act like this, you don't. I'm just saying. Say another word. What? Say another word. What? Go get my belt. <laughs> we going You're getting triggered. What
1: the fuck is Kendrick Lamar? Are you serious? What? You, what? Y'all, y'all trying to deny Kendrick. Damn, is i like, okay, because oh, now I'm getting hot. What is this? Oh, oh,
0: like, oh, I can't. What? Seriously? Go get my belt. Because <laughs> you you're doing a lot. Why? Go get my belt. What? Go get, go, go, go,
1: go get wait, it. Please get off of this. Guns go. gonna go off. Like y'all. Like I'm just like as I'm as I'm scrolling through my title, I'm looking at, like all the music I listened to over the last ten years. You bitches know literally... look. So y'all was just like
0: <laughs> Marlon, 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 Center, Center. We are gonna refill these cups. Thank you, thank you, J- love. Thank you very much. We are gonna take a break. <laughs> no, we are going to take a break, and we will be back for the thread. Who fucking raised y'all? Who raised y'all for real? Yeah, I had to go refill that good old cup. But while we're here, thank you so much for your continued support for the actual podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, Please continue to like, which means you actually like what you heard. Rate. It helps us get us up with the rankings especially with apple Podcasts. subscribe which means you download don't miss an episode and share it with your friends would you like to keep in contact with the actual conversation going on even after the podcast is released and yes i do check my social media handles on the regular for facebook instagram and twitter it is wryh Podcasts. Once again, it is WRYH podcast. I'm also looking to collaborate with other podcasters. Would you like to be on this show? Would you want me on yours? Fine. Email me at WRYHpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, it is WRYHpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for your continued support, and let's get back to the show. I'm pretty sure my cup is full by now. And we are back. Like, cook, crack. Mm-hmm. Light, uh, cooked. Okay. Not Light cooked. Light cooked. What <laughs> cooked. Okay. Um, we are, as you guys are not aware by right now, we are being joined by a special guest for the Ooh, thread this special. week. Special. A special mm-hmm. guest. Um <laughs> this guest actually is one of the very first supporters of W R Y H podcast. Um and I don't per se introduce my guests, so I let my guests
3: introduce themselves. Oh, down. God. Oh, God. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, this task. Um, yeah. So go, <laughs> my name is Jonathan. I go by Johnny. Um, oh, my God. I hate this question, this task. Um Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. I mentioned before, like, it's easy to, like, introduce yourself and be like, hey, here are my degrees, my accomplishments. That's too easy. So what I will say is, um, again, I'm Jonathan or Johnny, uh, and I'm just like a follower of curiosity, a student of the universe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's me. To, uh, <laughs> um, um, Johnny, Johnny?
0: Baby. Johnny, go ahead and pl- go ahead and plug your creative baby as well.
3: Ooh, I have a podcast that's hibernating right now. That's the the word I choose to use. Um, uh, uh, called the Black Boy Blitz Podcast, and yeah. basically it's a uh, like an interview, sit down conversation type podcast with other black, brown, um, yellow, red, all type of people of color men, um, and we just talk about man man and and the, the struggles and stripes and the stigmas and the joys and yeah it's it's a very very fun thing to create. It's been on a very long hiatus, but we can talk about that later because it actually has to do with some as well. But, um, yeah, you can follow the <laughs> Black Boy Blitz podcast on Instagram at uh, Black Boy Blitz pod.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Um, And this is normally the part of the show where I let Marlon take the course of the vote.
1: Come on, All right, here.
0: so here we are. <laughs> hey!
1: <laughs> so here we are. Um, we are here to talk about um, black men and mental health. Ooh. Yeah. The fun stuff. Um, the fun stuff.
0: The real stuff. The fun, fun stuff. stuff.
1: Yeah, and I, um, I'm glad that we are able to kind of dive into this topic simply because for so long it was such a taboo and I believe that mm-hmm. we are in an age right now where we are exploring it a little bit more. Mental health as a whole, but it's very special as it pertains to us as black men. Mm-hmm. Um, because for forever, <laughs> um, it's been ignored. Ignored and a lot of us are dealing with a lot of things. So Lonnie told me about this last night and like I had so many things on my brain last night. I'm just, you know. I'm <laughs> proud of
0: last minute.
1: Sorry. Listen. Last night. Born, listen, last night. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I got so many things I could talk about. Um <laughs> and I'm gonna try like not to get too deep, but I feel like this is one of those conversations where it's probably gonna get there anyway. So it is what it is. Yeah um, no, but exactly. I came up, yeah. um I came up with a couple of questions um that I want us to kind of dive into together so we can kind of navigate this conversation and see where it takes us, which I think.
3: Cool. Works for me. Let's do
1: <laughs> it. All right. Um, so I guess I want to start off um, by asking the fellas what spawned your own personal journey into healing your mental health?
3: Oh, for me, it's so many different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, what really triggered me um, was maybe like two or three years ago. And what I noticed was, like, this pattern that I've always noticed but didn't really think too much of when it comes to, like, interpersonal relationships, uh, specifically, mm. like, romantically and um, familial. Right. Um, and and part of my ego, and just a little bit of background, like, my previous career was mental health, substance abuse, HIV prevention. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. around that time, especially when I, like, first got into that field, um, it was... I had a lot of ego in me. So, it was like, I have the education, the knowledge to help these people with these issues. But, like, I'm never going to go through that. Like, I have the tools. I can stop hmm. it before it even, like, takes over. Um, and as I've gotten older. And it actually took me leaving that career to realize that, like, I am the people. Like, everyone I was helping people <laughs> with, I am... Um, i was going through um there was moments where i'm like yeah i do have that black family that's slightly homophobic and avoidant of any tough conversations that's toxic um i am i do have that that family that thinks everything that is in black is white so so Mm. mental health Mm -hmm. therapy is white eating sushi is me wanting to be white um uh, right me liking comic books and me wanting to be white (laughs) So me wanting to wear clothes that fit is me being gay. So it really took, it was a shock because now all these tools that I had learned to help other people, I had to use on myself, which was also triggering because if you're in like the social work field, you know, if your therapist doesn't have a therapist, then you need to run. So (laughs) I use my therapist as like a, a job duty like i was going there but again there was a lot of ego like i know what you're gonna ask me i know how this works but i really wasn't using it to its fullest like capabilities is capacity um mm-hmm. until like i got out of that field and things that were happening in those 10 years sort of happening without like the pillow of me being able to ignore those feelings and these emotions in other people while I was helping them. So now it's like Jonathan like <laughs> some shit needs to change. It needs to change really, really quick. Um mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Um and it's and I'm not gonna lie, it's been tough. Um but I wouldn't have it any other way. Love it. Love okay. it.
1: Lonnie, <laughs> what about you?
0: Um I want to say it came into play for me when I had my first anxiety attack. Um, Mm -hmm. It was not fun in the slightest. I will say uh, my first anxiety attack felt like I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. It felt like either that or like a seizure. and I I was on public transportation when it happened and literally after it happened, all I wanted to do was sleep. And Mm anxiety started paying me a visit every day, every day, every day. And it was like a really tough period in my life for me to be introduced to it so soon. Mm-hmm. So in all honesty, it was it was that awakening to realize that I had to get rid of some behaviors or let alone address them so that way I can be healed or mm-hmm. begin to feel normal again.
3: When you say that, so- like, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking? Oof. I was, like, 27 gotcha. when it
0: started happening. Like, when, twenty, I was, like, yeah, I was about 27 when it started happening.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think that um, for myself, I don't think that I really began to dig deep into... Um, my own personal journey of healing until a little bit later in life. I got to be honest. I want to say somewhere around thirty two, thirty three, 33. Mm-hmm. And even for that, I experienced my first anxiety attack in my early twenties, like 21 and 22. I literally had an anxiety attack at work, had to be carried out of my job on a stretcher. Wow. Um, but again, and this, will probably, this is going to jump into another question I have later, but back then I didn't have the language to Mm -hmm. call you know what i mean um and because we come from generations of ignoring mental health or calling it quote unquote that white shit Mm -hmm. you know there are things that like go unchecked for so long and we call it these other things but it's really not those things so until i was able to call out my issues i didn't really address them so It's been really important to me lately, and I haven't even gotten into therapy the way that I really want to, at least for myself anyway. Um, Yet, but I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of self-healing. And just like being able to acknowledge that, yes, there are things that I need help with mentally, and I have for such a long time, has really helped me to like really dive into it. And I think that going into my 30s, and kinda of coming to this realization that like that you gotta get some shit together. <laughs>
3: okay. okay.
1: There are some things that you are really not right. That you're not focusing on. Um, and there are some things that hurt and that you don't like. There are things that you were repeating that you don't wanna repeat anymore, and I think that you should pay some more attention to those things and really work on finding the if ands, buts, and whys about those things and kind of like going from there. So that's what spawned it for me.
3: Right. And like on the adverse side, um, and I can never remember who quoted this, but like the universe would throw a pebble and then like it'll throw a rock at you. And mm-hmm. for me, it was like these little pebbles hitting me on the side of my head until it was like a, a brick. And right. I found mm-hmm. myself like for the first time in my bed, not wanting to move or do anything. Mm-hmm. And because I was more of a provider for people, I, I wrecked my brain trying to figure out like how to pull myself out of it. Cause again, it's like the education and knowledge and I should know how to do this. Right. Um so that but, was the so moment I- where I was like, yeah, this needs to, this needs to change. Gosh.
0: Side, a quick sidebar um, Marlon I don't know if you had this in your notes but I'm going to go ahead and ask this question and I might be jumping a little ahead mm-hmm. do you feel as if and this is a question for everybody do you feel as if the stigma with black, with black people in general in therapy prevented you from seeking it beforehand <sighs> I'm talking family influence and all.
1: Ask that question one more time.
0: Basically, do you feel as if the actual... Let me reword it a little bit better. Do you feel as if the instillment of the mentality of, we've all heard it, you know, all you need to do is pray mm. and everything will mm. be fine. Do you, you feel see, like...
1: This is why you let me drive the boat when I get in this driver's seat because you're always jumping ahead of me. Back up. This is my oh, question. Oh, where's my
2: boat at? <laughs> you know what? You no, so so so
1: the question that I have is, and it's basically what Lonnie is saying. But thank you for bringing up. You, you always do this. I love you though. Um, what <laughs> part? <laughs> what part do you feel generational curses play in the mental health in our in our community as Black people?
3: So, so mm, again, like, hmm. And this is this is coming from someone who I don't really have a strong familial bond with okay. either side of my family, both like on purpose and just like organically, it just hasn't been there. Um so a lot of reflection has come over the past three or four years when it comes to my family. Okay. Um So when I sit back and look at it, I can see where there's issues. But because Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, a lot of my personal lineage, I don't know any stories beyond, like, I was born and then there's my parents. Because we don't have, like, the type of family that celebrate holidays that will sit back and talk about, like, grandparents and and how, like, they were raised. Um, But as I got older, I do see some of those tropes in my Mm -hmm. family what's what's tricky for me is i don't know where they came from (laughs) like i don't (laughs) i i I don't and that's what that's what bothers me a lot sometimes because i don't really know a lot about my my lineage when i see these tropes i'm like who taught you this (laughs) like or like who hurt you yeah literally um like literally um and there's things that have Come to the light over the past year or so, um, that I I understand why certain people act certain ways. Um, but again, it's I, I didn't I wasn't raised in a family of like religion, so mm-hmm. like spirituality mm-hmm. or God was never thrown at me. Um, wow. Uh, so I think I've been the church for lack of better words, for fun, like maybe three times in my whole life. All the
1: other
3: other times have been funerals, unfortunately, Um, and it's been a ton of those. Um, I didn't really know that therapy was like a same thing until like I went to college Um, Mm -hmm. And I always was like, I should try this. I never felt as though like my family were like stopping me from exploring mental health um, because at that time I didn't really want to tell them anything about myself anyway. I was just like, I graduated high school and I flew to Miami and lived there for years. So personally, I can say that like my family and like black culture for me Mm -hmm. Really wasn't a factor in me seeking therapy um or even getting into like the field of social worker prevention gotcha. but I definitely understand um
1: why it's a factor in other people, yeah, yeah, it's really crazy because I think about my family on both sides really really hung on to the what happens in this house stays in this house type deal. Mm -hmm. Talk about it. And also to kind of like go put the icing on that cake. Children are to be seen and not heard. Right. So there were lots of things that were going on around me that I was for lack of a better term, protected from. And and, And I know that my elders saw it as protection but it it really it's a double-edged sword because what it does is essentially what you what you think that you're doing is you're protecting me at protecting my innocence Mm -hmm. but you are not allowing me the space to be human and grow and also because you have this view of me being someone that is incapable of understanding, quote, unquote, adult-like topics. Mm -hmm. You don't know exactly what I'm experiencing on my end from your view as a child, right? if that makes sense. So now I'm dealing with these things and you don't know that I'm dealing with these things because we can't have a conversation because you look at me as lower than you. Right. And then whatever's going on, on the adult side of the world, you don't talk about it. And you feel like that's totally separate from me because I'm a child, right? right. Talk about so it. it's, it's just, it, 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 like, it creates what I like to call the snowball effect. It starts off mm-hmm. as something small, but once you push it down the mountain, as it travels, it becomes bigger. Right. So once we get to the bottom, here I am as an adult and I'm trying to unpack and get back to the seed of this. Mm-hmm. And it's taking forever because we could <laughs> have stopped this shit a long time ago, you know, but generationally, those types of things have been passed down like over and over again. And there are not enough of us that have decided to not push that snowball more and actually stopped and said, Hey, we're not gonna push this bitch down the hill. We're actually gonna address it right now so that it's mm-hmm. not existing that we can heal from here. Right. there' have not been enough of us that have that have had the audacity to heal. you know what I mean? like there have been a lot of us that have just been kind of like passing the torch and carrying it and running with it and not really wanting it and like suffering the entire way and continuing the hurt and the pain and then like all of that bullshit right. um instead of just like really addressing it, which is unfortunate, but you know, Lonnie, what you got?
0: For me, it's more so, I don't know what it is. For me, it was, I always had, like, counseling or whatever may have you. And it never really was something that was forced, type of situation. And I didn't really want to revisit the idea of therapy. But when anxiety and depression hit me both at once, I had absolutely positively no choice but to explore it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm because it was like, listen, something has to give because this is really getting to a point where it's overpowering your life. So more so, because I'm so sensitive, the way that my family views everything is more so they don't want to tell me what's going on and they feel like they only have to tell me what's going on when it's time to let me know. And now as a full-blown adult, it's like, listen, I'm going to find out either way that you try to hide it from me but it's it, it needs to come out because this waiting for me, this waiting to tell me thing, you're going to get the same reaction whether you decide to tell me or right. you just don't want to tell me. It's going to come out and you're going to get the same exact reaction and I'm just going to feel hurt.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. it's more so, especially I've heard from family members like, oh, you know, like you, like, of course they see me talk about um, mental illness. And they're like, oh, you know, they basically talk you into self-medicating. Right. Mm. And it's like, listen, I get where you're coming from with this, but I don't feel like it's the best of ideas.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And it takes some... What I've been going through lately is this like conundrum. So... What I know I need to do is I need to disconnect from my family. I don't mean completely shut them out. There are boundaries Mm -hmm. as I got older that I just refuse to let anyone cross anymore, Mm -hmm. um, like blood or not. The downside is there are people in my family, specifically my father, who's my best friend, that I literally have to avoid or um, like avoid. And it's not necessarily hmm. anything that he's doing, it's just that the atmosphere that he's in is not healthy. God. So our relationship has taken a hit because of where he's at. I refuse to go over there. Like hmm. my parents' house, it's toxic. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to tell them that. And unfortunately, me and my father, like it feels like we grow further and further apart. My father's not the youngest. Um mm-hmm. So I want to spend more time with him. But when I go over there, there's like this dread. It almost it almost kicks me into a panic attack. I mean, the good thing is I know how to stop that from from starting before it does. But what hurts me is it's this cycle of like toxicity that they all know is going on around there. But there's this guise of like, well, it's family, so you'll deal with it. Or it's, it's oh, Jonathan doesn't come over here because he feels like he's better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, um, and what, what has to happen is me pissing some people off. Um, and for a long time, I didn't want to do that. But when right. their moments were like, there was weeks where I got like 2 hours of sleep a day a night. There were times where and and mind you 3 years ago I had some issues with my former roommate so I had to move back to my parents house mm. for a whole year and Ooh. I've never I've never seen depression and stress affect me the way that it did when I moved back there. Like I don't eat like trash But Mm -hmm. everything I ate stuck. My diet Mm -hmm. was like, this is stress. Like, it was one of the worst times of my life because I was sitting there like drowning in the same toxicity. It's the same stuff that I grew up in. But as Mm -hmm. an adult, it all all triggered me. And then there's my nephew who's there. And now I kind of see myself and him going through that. Mm -hmm. So every day was a battle. And, like, they would say or do something to him – and I will check them. Correct. Like we not we not doing that. Um, oh, wow. So it's it's pissing some people off and cutting some people off. But then, like on the other hand, there comes a point in time where you, as an adult, have to look at your parents like adults. So I hmm. kind of understand that they only teach what they've been taught, and right. they only teach what they know. So it's like, yeah. how do you provide them grace? when you can't even pro- provide yourself grace um and they're just doing what they know and you know yeah. like, i had to call them old people elders <laughs> you know they can be uh they can be stubborn in their ways and what i'm not going to do is like argue my boundaries or try to get you to understand i'm going to say what i have to say and if you can't vibe with it then there's no need for conversation mm-hmm. yeah. so it's it's really tricky <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's stressful as shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's literally it's an unlearning process. Like because I, I think the time that I had my aha moment where I was like, I no longer have to act like a child in front of my parents mm-hmm. because the terminology "child" is literally just as it pertains to me and them is literally that you created me, but I am an adult. Like I have ownership and say, so over my life right now, like regardless to where like my upbringing, anything like that, but I'm I'm in your presence. Yes. You all created me as your child, but I am a man. Yeah. I have my own life and you no longer have ownership direction producer notes on anything that's going on over here. Like, we are literally adults in a room together. And that was something that I had to like, man, I had to break that shit down because I found myself getting around my parents and going back to my inner child would jump out immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm subjecting myself to them. I am... yes ma'am yes sir like i'm like i'm shrinking myself in front of my parents back to being a child and masking it and calling it respect and and things like all again these generational things that we've like been indoctrinated to believe our entire lives um and not really calling it for what it is like you are no longer a child you can respect each other as adults, but we all have like we don't owe and I know that people don't really understand this when I say it, we don't owe our parents shit. A damn thing. A damn thing, which is
3: crazy because we weren't necessarily asked to be birthed, for one. That's it! Yeah, two. For two, like you want your children to grow up to be self-sufficient. You want them to not take no bullshit set boundaries, be independent, except for when it comes to you because they're your kids. And you feel as though that they owe you something to the detriment of their mental, physical, and spiritual health. And that's the issue. When you would rather see a family member go broke on their end because you feel as though anything that you ask them they have to provide is Mm. trash. I have a brother and it's not, well, it used to be nine of us. I have a brother now that um, has done some like part of my language, if he was a nigga on the street I would probably Mm -hmm. fight him. Um, Mm. He would definitely not be in my family but my mother specifically and I'm saying this because I've said this to my mother so I'm not throwing her underneath the bus. Um, (laughs) There's this vicious cycle of her letting him get away with bullshit. But now Mm -hmm. anything that she tells him to do, he has to do, because it's always that remember when you did this without holding him accountable for it. And again, it's a whole like you owe me shit. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't. I owe you to be healthy Mm -hmm. and set healthy boundaries and be a productive like citizen of this fucking world. I don't owe you to go bankrupt because you need twenty dollars, or because you have to eat. I don't need to eat because of this. Like, you're my parents. I just can't. I can't understand that. But again, I understand
1: it because apparently that's how they were raised. So yeah, but it's just like this. I'm sorry to cut you off. (laughs) Like what you said, like it struck a nerve in me and it made me like where did we get this barter for life shit like you know what I'm saying like (laughs) I do something for you like I brought you into this world and like I'm doing all this stuff for you I'm raising you I'm taking care of you blase skippy woo woo so that later on in life I can sit on my ass and you can take care of me and pay me back for me laying down to create you in a moment like right. I I have never been able to wrap my mind around that. And so many of us I, mm, so I many see. of
0: us like live under that. It's crazy. It's, the, um, crazy go ahead. the crazy part of the whole situation to me, and I'm sorry to cut you all, Johnny. All right, good. The craziest part <laughs> to me is our parents had this lovely concept that basically I'm the parent type situation. Like my parents don't use it that often anymore, thank God. But I'm like, um, if I had things my way, after childhood, I didn't ask for any of this ratchet shit that I have to go through (laughs) on a daily basis. Can we please, can we skip adulthood? Because if that's the case and I'm going to owe you, then I'll continue to be a child and you can pay my dad on bills. Because
1: adulting is a scam, bitch. And
0: (laughs) and the biggest scam in America is adulting in life in existence is adulting this shit is the worst so like <laughs> it's, it's and for some odd reason when it comes to black men and the concept of mental health the one thing that i can't stand is when they love to bring up this whole masculine this whole masculine energy of the black man thing and it's like, oh, you're supposed to be strong. Like, you know, you're a man, man up. And I, I hated that term with every fiber of my being. I still hate that term. Oh, you're a man, man up. you want to have to be a man about it. Da, 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 da. Okay, so you mean to tell me in the concept, in the grand scheme of things, that I'm supposed to be a man and forget the fact that I'm human. And I'm still going to experience human-like emotions like
3: going
2: through
3: things I didn't ask for. Right. Well, or that's the tricky part. It. So and I hate to cut you off. That's the tricky part. It's like black men are bred and raised to be like breadwinners, emotionless, like get the job done. But what a lot of people fail to realize is that like when we take it out like anger or being mm-hmm. upset or fighting, those mm-hmm. are all emotions yes so oh it's my gosh crazy.
0: <laughs> so, and, and come on it's, talk
3: about it it's crazy because i had a different experience um when it comes to like how masculinity was forced upon me so it really wasn't forced upon me by my family in whole it was usually outside it was externally so like school the bowling alley because that's a whole other mess um but what what bothered me was some of that got internal into my household and it was never like defending of me or mm-hmm. my masculinity. And that's that was the issue. Um for all sake of the matter, my father isn't like the typical like manly man. I mean my father uh-huh. is he's an empath, he's extremely sensitive, he's extremely loving. Um but I never saw that as a problem on my end. Um, mm-hmm. I do see how my mother took advantage of that and my father on multiple um, occasions. Um, yeah. It's it's. But yeah. when I when I got older, it I, I, I look back and see how it was quietly put on me what men are supposed to do.
0: See the thing the thing is being an empath and a lot of people are just now learning this term. Um my family knew I was an empath and they held on to it and that's a part of the reason why they hate telling me things now. And <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, you're so sensitive. Like, um it's a, it's just who I am, unfortunately. I pick up on just about every flipping thing you possibly could think of. Likewise. Like, <laughs> the smallest things I already know and it sucks because it's like damn you sensitivity because this was not a part of the deal. But um it's just I don't I don't know. Like I got the whole masculine talk I you could say for for a better lack of words. For me it came from my family. Mm-hmm. So especially like when it came to me coming out, to me even dealing with being an empath all of these things just did not make anything better because all the time you heard the constant conversation or, oh, you just need to toughen up or he's too soft. And I used to hate shit like that. Like, why do you have to make this about these things? Like, it's stupid, it's redundant. And even to think, and well into my adulthood, I still hear these things.
3: Wow. So. I'm, I'm like,
0: it, get, give it up. It's it true. That's
3: crazy. I have a uncle. You know, and that who, um, like growing up, he's like a plan. He's one of my father's best friends. Growing up, uh, we moved from the city to the suburbs when I was in fifth grade, and mm-hmm. ever since we moved, he every time he would see me, he'd be like, "I'm gonna take Jonathan out to the city, and let them let them thugs toughen him up." To this day, he's like. I'm so glad you didn't move back to the city. Um, <laughs> it, it's just it's so it's it's nerve wracking that everything that we do, especially as black men, always equates to us not being manly enough. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and
0: that's so fragile about masu- about about masculinity too. Everything is ruined the masculinity of the black man. Oh, this is ruining the masculinity of the black man. You actually getting treatment so that way you can feel normal, like a normal human being. Is ruining the masculinity of the black man. Mm.
3: It's all trash. That's an easy answer. It's an easy answer. It's an easy answer to say that you're not manly enough. It's an easy answer to say that you were raised about by a single mother and all your aunties. It's a. Uh, easy answer to say you're not tough enough it's a harder answer to say the environment that you were bred in was toxic both by men and women and that there are answers that maybe aren't found in the bible or through a preacher or through your parents that we hold as like these gods and goddesses and they are but they don't know everything Right. And the issue is there's this cycle of, like like Marla was saying, keeping kids in kids' place to protect mm-hmm. them, quote unquote. But all right. we're showing them is to hide things underneath the rug. So instead of saying mind your business, we should be saying, So this happened and this is how we would get through it healthy. Mm-hmm. It's no, just mind your business, be quiet, we'll take care of it. <laughs> right. Or, or it's all done and settled now so mind your business get it. that's it and that's it has it. to do with me being a boy enough <laughs> or <laughs> or manly exactly
1: and that's <laughs> interesting because that kind <laughs> of so, <laughs> so that takes me uh that's a great segue into my next question that i wanted to ask you guys is um how how important is addressing mental health is it addressing mental health as black, gay, queer, or same-gender loving man? Say that again. So how important is addressing mental health being black gay men? Like, the importance like, mental health is already very important, but I believe mm. that we as black gay men, it's even, like, it's, like, in a foot further yeah. how important it is to us. Like, so, how do we, like, how important because it's you guys addressing mental health as black queer men do you want to go
3: first? yeah <laughs> this is a loaded question so yeah, very is. for mm. multiple reasons so let's say let's say I was raised in like a very healthy household where mm-hmm. masculinity like blackness it was all discussed healthy but mm-hmm. then there's this queer oh, side of me oh, 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 that oh, oh, oh. Go ahead, what happened?
0: Sorry, sidebar. This brings me to something I meant to mention earlier, Marley. <laughs> the backlash of Dwayne Wade embracing his son's sexuality. Oh! Put
2: uh, uh, Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Please
3: don't,
0: please don't.
1: Please yeah. don't. Oh, my God.
0: Johnny, keep going.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit! All right. Um, you motherfuckers. Who raised you? Um, oh.
3: But um, <sighs> what, what I would say, like, for me... So so even being raised, there's still this queer side of me that some of us don't have access to as far as like mentors when we we're growing up, even if we come out at an early age. So a lot of like my queerness had to be found in healthy and unhealthy ways outside of my family mm-hmm. and everybody that that you come across don't have your best interest in hand at, at times. So it's very important because there are things that are taught to us about queerness that aren't always true that our family or immediate friends may not have access to the language for. I mean, for many years, when I thought of being a black gay man, I'm like, well, eventually I'm going to get HIV because that's just Mm -hmm. part of our story. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my actions led to that, both adaptive and maladaptive. Um, so it's very very important because also there's these dual identities so there's things we we deal with um, as men as youngish men as black men as gay men and then there's things we deal with as young black gay men that's a whole other subset of bullshit and there are times where those tools aren't accessed to us um, at an early age or we access them when we're rock bottom and we have no other choice. So I feel like it's very important at a very early age, if possible, to to talk about mental health when it comes to being like a black gay man. Um, And I feel like it's also necessary to have access to information about it when we're some elder sexuals 60 50 uh, 50 60 70 80 years old as well because they
1: yes, it the I love it. <laughs>
3: Stolen i'm sorry <laughs> oh listen i think i got that term from like the cdc but um mm. <laughs> uh shout out to the cdc um so yeah it's it's very important and the landscape changes so much i mean like you had mentioned the Wade way Wade's son like on the flip side like more power to him, supporting him, he's able to express himself the way that he wants to. But now we're in a culture where people are going to attack him,
0: right? But and that's the sad part of the whole situation. It's more so. I wish black men were more embracing of this of their sons and daughters that are still trying to find their own identity.
2: It's themselves. a possibility.
0: Son, exactly. It's more so. Who's to say that he's gonna that he's gonna be gay? He hasn't officially said that. His son hasn't come out as gay completely. I mean, it can completely change the narrative of where his life is taking him. But to even see what we didn't see as children come out from this black man and his family openly accepting their son for who he is, and the backlash of ignorant motherfuckers, and I hate to say it because it's the truth. That have everything to say because they're not used to seeing a normative that's different from the one that they are used to, like the the of course oh no child of mine is going to be gay or the whole fear of contracting the virus that automatically comes to just about any family when it comes to one of their children coming out as gay. It's damn instantaneous it's at this point, but, but it's just. It's- yeah, it's, again,
3: it's easy. It, like it's it's such an easy response. Um, it's almost like the the reality TV factor, and I'm not knocking reality TV,
2: <laughs> but
3: <laughs> but <laughs> first off, everything is reality TV now. But um, it like, it's that whole sitting back and like, oh child, I know I wouldn't do that. Like, oh my god, look at these people, until it like knocks on your door. So I mm-hmm. I I can't imagine being 10 11 12 13 and seeing Dwayne Wade's son being out in proud like that and what it would have done for me.
1: <sighs> Cuz representation is so fucking important and I don't I don't think that people really realize how much it is. Um, because the kids now have so many different avenues to really learn more about themselves to kind of see themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: in different spaces. And granted, we have a lot of work to do still because I'm, I'm personally kind of getting very cringy about like the representation is there, but they're still watering it down. I E. I don't know if you all know this, but like commercials nowadays are inviting, queer romances into their advertising but it's, it's always interracial
3: right and it's so like inorganic
1: uh, <laughs> yeah it's always interracial it's always it's always got some sort of protective filter over it to try to like make it quote unquote tolerable and oh, it's driverless. Nice. <laughs> oh gosh it's all it's real stupid but um down. Yeah, it's real dumb but i as it pertains to the question I I just it's so important for us as black queer men to address mental health because depending on where you started your journey of realization about the way that you love it's usually starting very early Mm -hmm. and the sooner that we are able to address all the things that comes with unpacking that type of shit, the better right because I just think about like for myself, you know, knowing since kindergarten um mm, being very widow. you know being very sexual okay. in kindergarten, like all these things that I wish people I wish I had language for, I wish I had someone to kind of help me through those things would have probably made me excuse me, I don't know if I want to say better, but I feel like it would have given me a chance to be greater than I am now, you know, Mm -hmm. because granted trials and tribulations come to make us stronger and actually make us better people in some shape, forms, and fashions. We have to have it in order to grow, but I feel like it might have been a little bit better for me if I had some sort of support back then to affirm me instead of putting me down you know because that's how many of us end up hiding for so long because Mm -hmm. everything around us tells us that the very fabric of our being is wrong be it from a religious standpoint be it from societal standards any of that bullshit
0: everything around us is like what sci-fi let's not even get to the fact that even when people love to use religion as a combative factor to discuss why being black and queer is wrong, they decide to not mention the fact that there were queer characters inside the Bible, but that's another conversation for another time. Uh, period. period. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, but like, all it would have been really great to have someone, like, because I, I think about how many of us have had the story of um, our parents having the sex talk with us? And I don't know about y'all, but my mama's thing was throwing me condoms and telling me not to bring no baby home.
2: this child, child, well,
1: the type of sex that I'm having? <laughs> ain't got shit to do with no, no procreation. <laughs> so good with you. what the fuck I need a for, right? Like, I don't don't think that people and I don't want to like make it into this whole parent bashing thing because most of our parents... It's
0: not. It's really not. Right.
1: Depending on who they are and where they were in their journey when they created us, many of us have the story that our parents were children when they made us, right? So, Mm -hmm. of course they don't have the tools to really... They're jumping into it like anytime you become a parent you never... There's no rule book or handbook to being a parent but Mm -hmm. it's like ma'am like (laughs) you know to have that conversation and to really have that conversation and go beyond like really go over the whole scope of sexuality and the possibilities of you know what I mean so now I have a conversation with a child and be like okay so here's the deal I know you're about to be fucking so we're gonna go over everything like and you don't have to tell me yay or nay Mm-hmm. to whatever, but I want you to be fully prepared for what you're going into. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you give me partial information, then I'm going into the situation being partially prepared.
3: I never had mm-hmm. that conversation. I have yet to have the sex really? <laughs> Never. Really? Never. So, so part of me is part of me like my parents weren't young. Listen, I'm, the, I'm 35 about to be 36. I'm the youngest out of nine. Like, my parents have been doing this shit for eons. Um, So, part of me is, like, were they protecting me? (laughs) Um, But then I look at, like, my brothers. They all got, like, 15 kids apiece. Or, (laughs) like, a part of me feel like they should know. Like, I'm the ninth one. Like, y'all should know something. But I think beyond, like, having access to this information from my parents, which yes, we we definitely needed growing up. But to like even like on a micro level, having access to ask questions that will then force our parents to educate themselves on how to answer this question. But again, it's the the kids saying kids place places. I always felt like like the question of if you could go back when we you were younger, what would you change? I wish I was was bred in a family that honored questions from kids from everybody in a healthy mm-hmm. way um, so I always say like ask questions and the issue is if you feel as though the question that you're going to ask will put you in danger or harm then that's a whole other issue in itself but I just right. wish I had the opportunity to to be more curious and now I'm as I got older I'm more curious now
0: <laughs> Right? yeah yeah, uh, I if I had to go back and actually answer that question, I would say to be really honest with you, I wish I was shielded from less than I was than I was granted um, full access to. Like, I'm not saying I wanted to be completely an adult like a, as a preteen, but I just wished I didn't have to feel like. My family didn't have to feel as if they had to shield to, um, shield so much from me mm-hmm. out of fear of my reaction. It's more so, it's going to happen regardless. Like, I hate the foreign people. I'm just, I'm a sensitive ass bitch. I can't help it. <laughs> it. Feelings, I'm in touch with those things. I hate the fact that I can read body language. I can read when someone's mood changes. I hate it. Sometimes I'm like oh, you're in your feelings. Why? I
3: have issues feelings? with that word, though. I have issues with the word, like, the phrase of being too sensitive. I feel like there are people, like you said, your empath, that are just very aware. Very. Mm-hmm. Cause this has yeah, but you a, know what?
1: A, a negative connotation to it. It does. It does, and it goes back to, I know. Ooh, I know people get tired of me saying this, but, like, so much goes back to this point of the disrespect of the feminine. Like mm-hmm. anything that is considered feminine, soft, gentle, whatever adjective we like to use, is disrespected. It's disregarded. So when oh, we absolutely. think of sensitive people, like we instantly, people are drawn to thinking of it as weak, less mm-hmm. than. It's actually the antithesis of all of that. Like being able to sincerely feel and express yourself in a way, that others cannot, that is not tainted by the societal pressures of being tough and strong all the time and all that bullshit. Like, people don't realize that it takes a lot to be a sensitive person. It takes a lot to be able to acknowledge your feelings and express them in a world that tells you that you shouldn't. Exactly. It's just crazy. Wow. You it's it's dumb. So people that like run around here and like, are trying to poo on everybody that is like, I'm sensitive, I feel shit. Like, you look crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I, I get a lot of shit that you won't. Like, that's why I tell people all the time, especially when people are like, oh, I don't cry, I don't like to get into all that emotional shit. Like, baby, you need to do yourself a favor and release that pressure that you keep holding. Like, emotions are verbs. You can't think your emotions away.
3: You can and they, they show up in other forms. Exactly. Like you crying shows up and you being argumentative you starting fights when you don't need to start fights. It Like benign emotions, like emotions don't stay benign. Like they show up some type of way instead mm-hmm. of just releasing them and acknowledging them and working on them when they arise. They are going to show up and not always in the best manner
1: right yeah it's crazy it's crazy okay so I'm going to do one more question and then we can close it out because y'all know we can go on with this forever (laughs) yes but um, my last question is um, what do you believe has contributed to the emergence of greater mental health in the black community like I feel like we've gotten into a space now where People are acknowledging it. We're taking it on and actually doing the work to healing. What What do you guys believe has like contributed to like this brand new day of like, hey, let's fix our mental shit?
3: Hmm. Who going first? Because I hmm. got some feelings.
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, so Johnny, no, I... you guys go first. Come on,
3: shit. Yes. Um, so. <laughs> So, like, there's a bunch of things that I think contribute to it, but there's two that stand out for me. Um, One is constantly seeing our bodies being, like, misused, abused, killed, and realizing that it's actually putting us through this loop of PTSD where we felt as though we had the tools to, um, to handle this, and it's literally killing us. Like the stress right. is killing us, um, right. and and I have opinions about that because these amazing social workers and and black therapists have been around for ages. Um, so their job, like their profession, is not nothing new. But now it's mm-hmm. like with the age of social media, like this constant bombardment of like death in physical and mental and spiritual form, it's like, we got to work on it. We have to try something different. Um, mm-hmm. And the time is now. So, like, I fucks with that heavy. On the other hand, I feel like, especially this day and age, a lot of things can get really hashtaggy. So, okay. I feel like there are people that are preaching and screaming mental health, black community mental health, but aren't necessarily educating themselves, accessing the knowledge, and we aren't putting out the proper knowledge of like what mental health really looks like for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, hashtagging is really easy to do. Even like, like I, I cannot stand the word woke now. <laughs> it just <laughs> it seems very like, no. Like I get it. I fucks me what it means, but it's also uh-huh. very hashtaggy. Put on a t shirt, on a cell phone case, um, and I feel like I said, at I'm times shirt
1: calling merch,
3: <laughs> right? So I feel like black mental health can teeter off into that, but we also have people like this podcast, like YouTubers um, that are actually breaking things down, and I, I wish that there was some type of end all be all of like like a book of like this is what entering uh mental health looks like for black people. Um mm-hmm. but again like I'm I'm ambivalent about it because the hashtags connect people. Mm-hmm. Um but again it's also easy to slap a hashtag on anything. Um I just yeah it's mental health for black people I just I never thought it would be in the forefront like this and again I wish when I was younger it was like this without all the stigma attached to it Mm -hmm. Um, and I just I look forward to seeing like where it's going to take us next because we're in a crisis we are like literally going through trauma in every facet that we can think of music film like news I don't watch the news anymore Mm, mm, mm. I don't um, mm, mm. <laughs> there's just like this con- like collective PTSD and re-traumatization um, that black people go through um, that at times is unbearable I'm tired of, yes. of, of I know people are getting shot for no apparent reason by police officers in the street do I need to see that video every time I turn on the TV and get on Instagram or Facebook Absolutely not. And it can nope. be extremely triggering. And I had I had a, an incident maybe five years ago um, where someone I knew died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends random just put this video of like this car accident happening in real time. And uh. I had to tell him like, you don't know what people are going through Um take it down like it's it's again it's re-traumatizing each other but um mm-hmm. like black people mental health i just think is so necessary at an early age at a mid-age at a elder age um and and i have faith that it, it's being fine-tuned very very well and there's different ways to um offer it to people which i think is fucking
1: dope yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Monty, what you got?
0: <sighs> well, Let's get started. Um, <laughs> I feel like I want, oof. I was, you know what? I'm a little drunk.
3: <laughs> it's okay. You're an adult.
0: dog. <laughs> uh, what? Marla, repeat the question again.
1: So I was saying, like, what do you believe has contributed to the emergence of greater uh, greater mental health in the Black community?
0: Fine. So I feel as if with, our, with Black people, it's more so being a, social media, as Johnny has stated, has worked for and against us. But in this state, I feel like it's worked for us. I feel as if people being able to voice that I've gone through depression, I've gone through anxiety, Mm -hmm. and I'm experiencing these things in real time, I feel as if that attributes more so to us wanting to seek help for these mental illnesses. And it's not just some BS that people made up. No, it's actual trauma that we have piled on for years going back into childhood that we just were taught to throw on our shoulders and act like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's a theory that we had, especially in the community, of sweeping everything under the rug until it's time to lift it. And until it's time to lift it and when you realize that either you lift it or you throw it away and you realize it's so much crap underneath it that we've never addressed and that we've held on to for years, and we've never talked about, we've never gotten a chance to work it out or work through it, it now is coming upon us. So I feel as if for us as a people, social media gave us the voice to, to say, you're not alone. I go through this too. I remember that when we started doing, um, I don't know if you remember, it was around the time that Kate C- Cuddy had came out and um, expressed that he w- I think he either Checked himself into a mental uh, a mental institution, mm-hmm. and they started it with the You're, um, "you good, bro" um, hashtag, mm-hmm. and it was just to check. Especially, it was meant mainly for black men to make sure that they were good as far as their mental health. I feel like moments like that should have happened more than often because of the fact that it actually called, especially black men, to speak on their current state of mental health. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it enough. We don't address it enough. And the reason we don't like to address it is because we feel as if it's going to break too many skeletons out the closet. So I feel as if social media helped us actually be able to debunk what we're going through versus just compiling it on and just letting it continue to fester over us like unwanted garbage. Mm-hmm. That's my thought on it.
1: Dig that, I dig it. I um for me, I believe that we've just gotten into this age and and I'm like kind of harkening off of what both of you guys said about how social media has played a major part in knowledge and kind of this- this collective aha moment mm-hmm. <laughs> across the globe where that representation, that feeling of not being alone in the whispers and the dark parts of our lives that we don't show from day to day. You know, so many people feel alone in mental health struggles and issues and having the language backed with people that experience those things as we do
2: mm-hmm.
1: helps a lot, a right? A A whole lot. You know, so like, being able to relate in that fashion and also have these avenues and platforms to have discussions about these things paired with the language has helped our community a lot. Um, because for so long, it was masked as all of these other things that really don't have shit to do with shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, Just like having the language about generational curses and having the language about um... You know, knowing what schizophrenia or depression or all of these things are, being able to call things out by name Mm -hmm. and have, like, information to back that this is what this is. And then on top of that, having people that look like me saying, this is what I deal with. This is how I cope. And then, like, all of those things lead to healing. You know what I mean? So. To have that, I believe, has played a big part, especially because part of who we are as black people, our education is rooted in the word of mouth. You know, we, the way that we go back into our history and look at how we gained information um, being brought over here to the States was about word of mouth, was about passing that message, was about paying it forward and so forth and so on. So having this space right now with social media and all that stuff in our community has been really great and has contributed to that emergence because I believe that if we were left to continue to search for it within a page somewhere that we wouldn't know it, Right. you know, and that goes for all people, um, not just necessarily ours, but yeah yeah being able to have this space to see other people and i see you and this is what's going on and you're telling me that i should check on this and i trust you because of you know our melanin pairing (laughs) 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 has really helped us to kind of tackle this whole mental health thing
3: and And just the
1: access like yeah
3: like because again it's this. It's this stigma for a while. Like before, like the real big resurgence of like black mental health. Everything was like, mm-hmm. oh, he upset. He bipolar. Everything was bipolar. Right. Just actually Oh, no. No. No, no. 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 You got the label and,
0: wrong. You got the label wrong. They like to just call you crazy
3: or that. Oh, well, but then, exactly. but then when it started coming to the forefront, everything was bipolar, bipolar, bipolar. Yeah. But just having the knowledge to know what bipolar. Uh, this what looks like, and and knowing what schizophrenia looks like, like Marlon said, just having the access to that um, yes. is very beneficial because then we go around self diagnosing people each other when uh-huh. we shouldn't. <laughs> so no, <yeah.
1: laughs>
3: not at all. <laughs> not at like all. I'm not bipolar. You just pissed
1: me off. That's day, scary, and, and now I'm happy. Like, <laughs> exactly. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's fantastic, you guys. That was my last question. Um, no questions. Yes. Thank you all for indulging in this conversation. And before we close it out, you know, yeah, we like God. to give our own mental health tips to help the folks. And this week, I would like for us to give a mental health tip about mental health because I think that a lot of people don't. So if each of us could give a mental health tip about mental health, that would be fantastic. And I will take the task and go first. Um, All right. While y'all be right. right. um, So my mental health tip about mental health, address uh-huh. the whispers, address the whispers in your mind that you've been ignoring. Uh. Uh-huh address the whispers in your mind that you have been ignoring. I know that many of us have had the experience of feeling like and knowing that there is something that we should address, but trying to fight everything that we have been taught or indoctrinated to believe about how we should carry on in our lives has pushed us away from actually addressing those things. Mm -hmm. Uh Pay attention to the voices to your intuition that tells you, hey, this doesn't feel good and we Mm. should probably tackle this. Or this doesn't feel right to me. I don't really believe in this. Address those things that you are afraid to address because more often than not, when we turn over those rocks in our lives, we can find things that we probably ignored. And when we heal those things, it opens up the doors to our greatness even more. Mm -hmm. That's my mental health tip on mental health. Okay.
0: Uh, Well, here we are. (laughs) Here we are, baby. Um, My mental health tip on mental health this week Um. I guess it would kind of piggyback off Marlins, but I'm going to give the liney spin to it. Um, Find the source of your anxiety and depression. I say that because it is something that we all do not pay attention to. And that's how it's hard to identify what brings especially anxiety. But that's a little bitch. Um, anxiety is just not my friend. She's no one's friend. She's just horrible. But I would say find the source of your anxiety. Because Natan said when you find the source of your anxiety, you also will find the source of your depression. Because anxiety normally is not accompanied just by itself. Depression is soon to follow right after that, huh? Find the source.
3: I can dig that. And even just to piggyback off of that, this isn't my answer, but just to piggyback, um, again get some knowledge um i would have to like change what you just said a little bit lonnie um, only because the first panic attack that i had ever (laughs) was six years ago and and to be honest it was some weed had some cocaine and it didn't know so i will also (laughs) right right the shade um Get knowledge on what anxiety looks like and what can trigger it. So, there are people, places that that. trigger it. For me, also, I would have panic attacks when I drank like coffee or or drink some pop when I was about to go to bed. Chocolate causes panic attacks. So, uh, you know, Chicago, whatever. It was, baby, Chicago. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, just like I would say. Learn what anxiety is uh, to add to piggyback off of what you were saying. Learn learn what it is, what can trigger it, and mm-hmm. then just use those tools. Um, whether it be and and I'm not never knocking religion. One of your tools could be the Bible. It can be religion. It could be your pastor. It can be therapy. It can be your friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay, I'm done taking your stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: First of all, Johnny, thank you so much for carving out time to be here with our two funny black asses.
3: No problem. Uh, I do want to say one more thing, um, please, just to add to that. Um, I would, I would just tell people to do things different, um, try mm-hmm. something uh-huh. different. Um, if you have a close network of friends, like ask one of them, like, hey, do you have some space? Like I've been going through some things. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind talking? And also, I like to call it washing the sink so Mm -hmm. like a a lot of times like we'll ask friends who hear us out and then they will hear us out and then to be like okay well thank you but you know be generous enough to be like hey thank you for holding this space um is there anything you want to talk about like how are you feeling after you Mm -hmm. you know dump on them but yeah try things different um cry like Say that. Look in the mirror. One, hey. of the, <laughs> one of the hardest things I've ever done actually happened earlier this year. Um, I went to this uh, this art installation yard, 29 Rooms, and there was a room where it was kind of like you meet a stranger, you sit down, you pull these cards, you ask these questions. Um, one of the first things that we had to do besides like three deep breaths, we had to stare at each other directly in the eyes for two minutes straight mm-hmm. and i've never felt so uncomfortable but seen and what i started doing is doing that with myself like just looking at myself in the mirror for like two or three minutes so let trying try and think different like i've i've really been connecting spiritually so i've been introducing oracle cards to my uh, meditation practices that i've had for years just do Try something different. If it doesn't work, move on to the next thing. Um, yeah, just be weird. Be different. Like you accessing mental health therapy is not you being white or gay or bougie, it's you taking control over your life and saying that I have an issue that I don't think the tools that I have now can fix. Let's try something different. So, yeah, just try something different.
1: Take <laughs> that.
0: Lottie, I can't hear you. I'm going to say this and I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Sorry, because we're recording in the same space, so you can hear the echoes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this and I'm going to leave it alone. Um, Johnny did a separate conversation for a separate episode that we're going to have on black, um, being black and um spirituality. That's yeah. not for today, that's for another time.
2: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> with that being said, once again, Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here with thank us. You,
3: <laughs> no, no, like like seriously, like thank you you both. Like this is giving me the podcast itch and I do definitely want to start my podcast back up. But besides that, like you all are doing the universe's work and just bravo to you both! Like this is amazing.
2: Thank you, <laughs> thank
0: you. And with that being said, that wraps up the very last episode of for 2019 for WRYH podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us.
3: Anytime, we, uh,
0: we will see you guys in 2020. Happy set of, for, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we will see you oh. in January to.
3: Peace out. See y'all
0: later. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and we